0: Hi, I'm Hugh Richards, Head of Digital Investment Banking at J.P. Morgan. I'm the host of our podcast series, What's the Deal? And in each episode, I'll be joined by global business and industry leaders to look at the trends driving dealmaking today and how they are transforming businesses and industries around the world. We recently recorded an in-depth conversation with two of my colleagues on the widely discussed topic of ESG, or Environmental, Social, and Governance. And in that conversation, we covered a lot of ground on the E and S fronts. But today, we're going to take a closer look at corporate governance. With so much headline discussions centered on the composition and diversity profile of boards, today we're going to focus on the question of what it takes to build a modern board. To do this, I'm joined by two experts to share their perspectives on addressing this question. To bring us right inside the boardroom, I'm excited to be joined by Susan Chapman-Hughes. Susan holds seats on both the boards of Toast and Smuckers, and also sat on the board of Potbelly Corporation for six years. Also joining us is my colleague, Rebecca Thornton. Rebecca leads the Director Advisory Services Group at J.P. Morgan. This team helps refer candidates to corporations in search of independent directors and works with clients on board building, succession planning, and activism defense. Welcome, Susan and Rebecca. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Hi, Hugh. It's wonderful to be here. Excited to be here, Hugh. Thank you for having us.
0: Great. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. So look, before we get started on the specifics of board composition and governance, I really want to set the stage within the broader context of ESG. So Susan, in our podcast, we'd really like to try and go behind the headlines in our conversations. So can I start with you from, as your perspective on just how seriously are board members and companies taking these interrelated topics of ESG? Boards are absolutely taking
2: them very seriously. They candidly don't have a choice. There are so many things that have been happening outside of the company that impact the company's performance that are driven by ESG. Companies and boards have to be very serious about how they handle them. Obviously, the environmental piece has been around for a very long time. Clearly, over the years, the social piece has become much more prominent. Last summer, with the incidents around George Floyd's murder many companies realize that they have to get much more serious about it. And we certainly have seen lots of activity from the investor community driving and pushing for companies to be more focused on this, as well as organizations like Glass Lewis, the Proxy Advisors, and ISS really beginning to push on companies to focus on this. Sounds as though what I'm hearing
0: from you is that a lot of the stakeholders are joining together to send messages to companies that this is something that, uh, that needs to be at the top of their radar screen. And Rebecca, when you are working with boards, when people are discussing their board searches with you, succession planning, et cetera, where does this topic come in their their list of requirements?
1: Well, it's been fascinating to be in a front row seat for the past nearly 25 years of governance. And if you look back at really Starbanes-Oxley as being sort of a beginning of the focus on governance, we've seen, to Susan's point a moment ago, the proxy advisors and the institutions playing a really significant role. So it's been a Pretty exciting and dynamic time. No more so, though, than I would say the last two years, where the focus on diverse and underrepresented boards has really been front and center of the criteria we get from our clients. About north of 80% now of our placements are women and or underrepresented minorities. And I would say probably north of that, 90, 95% of our requests are exclusively looking for Women and underrepresented minorities. It truly is such a dynamic flip from where we were 20 plus years ago when the way that we went about doing director searches was looking at the CEOs who are not yet overboarded. And as we all know, CEOs 25 years ago were almost exclusively white men. So it's been a really fascinating and I think quite encouraging change, of course, that we've seen here in the last few years, driven in my opinion, really by a lot of the institutions and proxy advisors who have put really clear expectations around governance.
0: Rebecca, you talked a lot about governance there and diversity. As Susan said, the environmental issue has been around for, for a while, but is definitely picking up focus. How's that being played out in director searches as well?
1: I'm glad you asked because it continues to surprise me how little we actually hear about the environmental piece of our criteria. In the by 1500 board searches I've done in my career, I think two or three of them had environmental as a criteria. I'm hopeful that they're using their executive teams and advisors to be prepared on that dimension, but we're not yet seeing it taking up a seat. And very few companies in the S&P 500 actually have an environmental committee. It's still pretty small numbers based on what you might expect.
0: Interesting. And Susan, we began to touch a little bit on some of the stakeholders that you, know, you mentioned, the proxy advisors, et cetera. And I'd like to take a little deeper dive from your perspective about you know, what risks are companies thinking about if they don't get this right, right? If they don't take it seriously, what do they think the potential ramifications could be?
2: The first big one is customers are going to choose to not buy your products. You have to be really very thoughtful about the fact that if you look at millennials, if you look at Gen Zers, Many of them are very focused on companies that are mission-driven. They're focused on companies that understand the importance of protecting the environment. They're focused on companies reflecting the demographic mix of their population. And so they are voting with their feet. And you see that in many of the various industries that are around. And it doesn't matter what industry it is. They literally are looking at everything that they consume. I also think boards have a responsibility and companies have a responsibility to not just focus on shareholder value, at the end of the day, the stakeholder conversation is just a much broader one. Uh, we've seen how just in the last year, companies have been forced to step up and engage in social conversations or conversations that are being driven by social issues of the day. CEOs and boards need to be prepared to talk about issues in real time. And they have to be able to be able to assess the risk associated with it for their company and how that's gonna help them grow or not grow or impact the bottom line. The companies that I've had the opportunity to be a part of the board, I've just seen the employees and the customers really want their company to do the right thing. If you don't have people sitting in the boardroom who can help guide you and discuss those conversations and and help give you perspective on the issues, then oftentimes boards have blind spots around that. The diversity piece of boards really helps that and it helps them identify the risks that go beyond the typical things that risk have been in the past
0: interesting has the speed at which all of this occurred has that surprised you as insiders or were you just sort of thinking well it's about time that people caught
2: up now personally i think it's about time people have been dragging their feet for issues that have been out there for a very long time they just have had some precipitating events that have forced them to have to step up and deal with them it's about time
0: If you're all enjoying this conversation as much as I am, you can subscribe to this as well as our other podcasts to stay on top of the latest industry news and trends. JP Morgan's At Any Rate, Market Matters, and Tech Trends are all available on Apple
1: Podcasts, Spotify,
0: and Google Podcasts.
1: I totally agree with Susan's points. I would just say, We're celebrating pretty small victories at this point. For female representation on S&P 500 boards, it's gone from 22% to 30%. And as a female, I will tell you, I'm not satisfied. (laughs) And I know that the numbers of underrepresented minorities are, are even fewer. The genie's not going back in the bottle. And I think the companies who have been quick to adopt and adapt will be rewarded for it. And the ones that don't will be punished for it by their stakeholders, by their employees, suppliers, et cetera.
0: If one was to be controversial, one could say that a lot of corporations feel as though they're just being very reactive at this point versus then actually trying to stake out an advanced future ground on this. A, do you agree with that? And B, what do you think it will take for companies to move from reactive
2: to proactive around some of these issues? I think it's okay that it's reactive. Whatever the precipitating event is that is moving forward, it's okay. I think the thing is, once you have been awakened and you know that it's an issue, and you understand the context for what it is, then you have to be proactive in creating an organization that can keep it top of mind, and it doesn't become something that is what I call window dressing. So that means that your leadership teams and your organizations have to be diverse from top to bottom. If your leadership team doesn't reflect the broader community and the folks who are dealing with these issues, and if there aren't clear opportunities for those people to grow to more senior ranks in your company, then you're not doing it right. And the only way you can do that is making a commitment to being different. One of the things that I oftentimes try to advise companies on in organizations is to just really be very thoughtful about what are the norms of your organization? What's the culture of your organization? Are those things actually supporting the goals that you have around changing the dynamic or are they hurting it? There are a lot of well-meaning and very good intentioned people out there just get it wrong. I always like to, to use the word empathy in the way that I talk about this. And if you really think about empathy, empathy requires you to actually put yourself in other people's shoes. So if you're spending time with all people who look like you, who think like you, who act like you, you might be as well-meaning as you want to be, but at the end of the day, you're not really going to be able to be truly empathetic because you haven't really taken the time and the energy to change the way you think. And that's really what it requires. I do think that people are beginning to recognize that. They're recognizing that the way they bring people into the boardroom has to be different. The way they do searches has to be different. The way just some basic norms of the organization have to be different. They may not always get it right, but at least they continue to try and continue to evolve. This is a grand experiment in change,
1: right? And if
2: you know anything about change management, then you know that you start out with a really awesome plan, but ultimately where you end up is never where you started because there are all kinds of things that you learn in the process. And so I just think that boards have to have a muscle around managing change and understanding that.
0: That concludes part one of our conversation. Please join us for part two. This material was prepared by the Investment Banking Group of J.P. Morgan Securities, LLC, and not the firm's research department. It is for informational purposes only and is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase, sale or tender of any financial instrument.